Beloved Church by God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us please stand and affirm with a proclamation of the faith of our heart, the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in the place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, selfishness, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy face. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostolic Gadi into your divine hands, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The place of Holy Scripture will be Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me, or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A rod. The Lord said, Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, Now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. When he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous, like snow. And he said, Put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again, and drew it out of his bosom, and behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it out on the dry land. The water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. The sermon is called the sign of the cross. This sermon was spoken 24 years ago 
And it also today is so actual for us because this is the spoken and preached word of God. As we already know, prophecies were never spoken by the will of man, but they were spoken by holy people of God that were led by the Holy Spirit. The spoken word is the living word because in it is spirit and life. Christ said, the words that I say are spirit and life. Therefore, this planted word, anointed word, it is alive because it has life. In this place of Holy Scripture, the Holy Spirit shows us three signs, three signs that will help us to exit out of Egypt, out of slavery to our soul, and to bring out the captives. The deliverance from slavery to the soul is a process that is difficult, and to gain liberty we are called to, in sequence, in a strict order, which the Word of God tells us about in the book of Exodus, to fulfill three conditions so that we can receive the sign of the cross upon which or amid which Egypt will depart. In the end times, practically the whole church was held in Egyptian captivity and dependence from sin. Even the most highly spiritual and super popular churches cannot reject this. They might say that they are free, but sins are flourishing in these churches and dependence on the vain life of their forefathers expressed in their character talk about uh, the baselessness for their claims. One can proclaim his lack of sin, but such a declamation had never actually made somebody free from sin. Christ said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John chapter 8, verse 32. And a question arises, how are we able to acknowledge and know the truth? In the fifth chapter, 39th verse, John writes, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. And later on in the 8th chapter says, Christ says, If you dwell and abide in my word. And again a question, How do we dwell? How can we abide in the word? Let us turn to a place of scripture this is written about in Acts chapter 8, the Acts of the Apostles although there are many places of scripture that verify this truth. This is Acts chapter 8, verses 27 through 31. And therefore, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. 
You see, this was not an ordinary person. This was a very intelligent eunuch of the king who was the keeper of all of the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. And he was one who sought worship to God because he came to Jerusalem for worship. Based on this, we see that if we do not acknowledge and do not believe in him whom the Lord had sent, if we are not taught through this preached word, then we will never be able to abide in his word and also to be his disciples. Here we also see that here we have the collaboration because if he would not have had desires, then the Holy Spirit would have never guided him and would speak would never speak to Philip because he gives and pours out only upon those hearts that are uh, desiring. John chapter 6, verses 28 through 29. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. And so, according to these words which Jesus had spoke to those Jews that believed in him, if you abide in my word, meaning, if you will dwell in my teaching, in the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, in the acknowledgement of my divine order, then only then are you truly my disciples, and you shall know the truth. You shall know the true God, and you will be in his true Son, Jesus Christ, and only then the truth will make you free. Only acknowledging the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh is called to make us free in order to be able to acknowledge all truth of the preached words of the apostles and prophets of Christ. These words testify that to know the truth means to become one whole with it, just like salt, which when it is dissolved in water, it becomes a component of it. When the truth about the cross is fully dissolved in us and will become a part of our essence, only then will we be freed from slavery to sin. I will remind another place of scripture, Acts chapter 16, verse 7. After they had come to this city, they appointed those in the church. Those that would be faithful. And in Revelation, also chapter 2, verse 10, it is said, Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, faithful until death. Those that died to their nation, to their household, and to their, their corrupt desires. Faithfulness until death. To them, to th this kind of a person is given the crown of life. 
God always does everything in a specific time and strictly in a certain sequence. Each action of His has its place, its time, and its reason. No one can violate this divine makeup without tragic results. Knowledge of this truth occurs in a sequence in three levels. In the book of Exodus, we see three signs which are called to be presented to those who ended up in captivity of Egypt. Otherwise, captives will not accept this teaching. They must believe you that you truly will free them. And you yourselves must believe that those words of God which you by faith will take will make you free. So here it talks about how they must be believing you. They must believe those messengers of God which have this word. And also, we are called to have faith in those words that by faith we can accept them. Pastor says, if you will not have faith in this word, you will never be able to go through these three levels that are outlined by God so that we can leave Egypt and take our sel- take off of ourselves our dependence on sin. Therefore, if we do not have faith in this word, we will never be able to grow into the full measure of the stature of Christ. And therefore, we will never be able to set aside the former way of life of our old man, to be renewed in the spirit of our mind, and to be clothed in the new man, created by God in righteousness and holiness of truth. And Pastor provides two questions. Why does a person sometimes not fulfill his work until the end? Or, why do many saints of God, or why is it difficult for them to be rid of their blemishes? Only because they do not believe in their capabilities in Christ by demonstrating their weakness. They say, I tried to, but nothing came of this. And I, once again, fall into sin. And Pastor says that many saints truly don't want to sin. They suffer from sin. They They hate sin yet they remain dependent on a certain sin. The Holy Spirit had sent Moses in order to lead people out of Egypt, out of this slavery to sin. We know that the path to deliverance was long and difficult. It grew more difficult when the people did not trust Moses. The Holy Spirit then and today places apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and sends them in order to lead people out of Egypt, out of the slavery to sin, and out of infancy. So that we can grow and come to the full measure of the stature of Christ. Moses also, as them, was born in Egypt. But he was disciplined. This person was endowed with an extraordinary wisdom and had great authority. 
Moses was considered by the Jews as foreign, although they knew he who he was according to birth. They knew that he was his brother by blood. Although he grew up in the courtyard of the greatest monarch of that time. That's why when Moses came to offer help to his people, people simply turned away from him. Not only did they turn away, but they betrayed him. Otherwise, how did how did Pharaoh find out that Moses had killed the Egyptian? In the Acts of the Apostles, Stephen had talked about this. And it is written that all those sitting in the centurion, looking upon him, saw his face as the face of an angel. And continuing his words, he continued to speak, that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Now when he was forty years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. And the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then at this saying Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian. He was betrayed by the Jews. They had come to Pharaoh and had told the news that Moses had killed the Egyptian when they had fought. The Jews, as if protecting their own interests, in fact, had tried to break the tree on which they sat. Remember, bitter experience, Moses feared how his brothers would accept him. Exodus chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. But he said, O my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brethren? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. You see, only through these great gifts, which the Lord gives for the very purpose of showing the path to be able to teach us what we ought to do, and how we are called to accept these promises. And for this, we also must have anointing.
that we can accept these promises through the messengers of God. And you shall take this rod in your hand, which you shall do with which you shall do the signs. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. Exodus chapter four, verses sixteen, seventeen. The reason why Moses was not accepted by his people was found in the fact that when he had not yet subjected himself to a circumcision made without hands, had not yet endured the cross, he had in his control the sign of the crucified soul of the nature of the soul. Therefore, he could not be found in God's time, could not rely on God's strength, and did not comprehend that the influence that he has is enough to kill one Egyptian and not another. And therefore, the people did not listen to him. And in order for the Jews to truly believe that God was capable of leading them out of captivity, the Holy Spirit placed in his hand the rod of God that would be able to uncover the signs of God before the people, and first and foremost before the people of Israel, and then before the Egyptians. Moses had three signs of the cross, and the Lord knew that the Jews would listen to him. Otherwise, there would not have been any purpose of sending him. Why create wonders? Destroy the deities of Egypt if the Israelites would still remain their slaves. It's important for the people to believe that there exists absolute delivery from slavery to sin, and there exists absolute dependence on God when we are satisfied by His holiness and His love. All of the promises that are meant for us by God in Christ Jesus can be accepted by us, none other than through the saints that are anointed for this purpose. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. Now he who affirms us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Between the anointing of apostles and the anointing of members of the church, there exists a difference. Affirming the promises for all saints, regardless of their rank or their position, is impossible without the collaboration and anointing with the anointing of the apostles. The anointing of the apostles is comprised in the role of a teacher expressed in preaching the gospel of Christ, whereas the anointing of all the members of the church is comprised in discipleship, which is expressed in submission and dwelling in the teaching of the apostles. Based on this, if we focus our attention to the proverb or the parable of ten virgins, what was the wisdom of the wise virgins and what was the foolishness of the foolish virgins? We will see the answer in the answer of the wise virgins that they provided to the foolish virgins. 
when the foolish virgins had said to the wise, Give to us your oil, because our lamps are going out. And the wise had answered and said, So that there may not be lack for us and you, go to the sellers and buy for yourself. You see, to purchase oil is possible only by the sellers to pay the price for submission, for total dedication. And so furthermore, Pastor offers us these three signs and three levels. And the first sign is contained in the rod. The first sign that the Lord had shown to Moses is the sign with the rod. In the book of Exodus, it talks about how Moses had brought the flock far into the wilderness to the mountain of God Horeb, where he did not lead his flock before. This biblical story points truly to the believers where their thoughts are called to be directed far to the mountain of God, Horeb. We must lead our holy thinking to God's mountain, otherwise there will not be the union with God, and He will not speak with us on that mountain. Furthermore, the Lord had spoken with Moses out of the burning bush. The burning bush symbolizes the cross, whereas the fire symbolizes the Holy Spirit. God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, spoke with him from the position of the cross, without which nothing will occur. The cross separates the old and new beginning. Moses saw this burning bush. He decided to go and to look at what was happening there. He was taught much wisdom. And also, with this, he was met the first time. Moses was surprised when he had seen that the dry bush was lit up in flames, but was not burning out. But when he began to approach the bush, God spoke with him. Moses momentarily knew this voice. This was the voice of God. And he did not act as Samuel had done, running to Elijah. Moses did not run to his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and did not ask for his advice. He knew the voice of God. For it was not in vain that he spent these 40 years in the wilderness. The father-in-law Moses, Jethro, was a person that was deeply dedicated to God. He was a priest of God Most High. Literally, his name means wonderful. He was a symbol 
of the fivefold ministry through which Moses had come to the full measure of the stature of Christ. It is thanks to him that Moses was able to draw near to God to bring him or to bring his flock, his thinking, to his mountain, which had come from Jethro. You see, before we first must tent our thinking to tend to the flock, the sheep of our Father. And when we lead our thinking far to this mountain of God, only then will God be able to speak to us from this position of the cross. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. The first sign that God had given Moses was a sign that of that which Moses already had. For God will never give us a sign of that which we do not have. For example, circumcision, that was a sign Abraham had received as a sign of righteousness, which he had before his circumcision. Just as in nature of Moses, there was already that which he had received from the Lord in the form of three signs. Otherwise, God would not send him to lead the people out of Egypt. And so we, leaving out of Egypt, are called to use our rod and our weapon that symbolizes our soul and our body. Of course, someone will help us, someone will lead us. Just like every Israelite had to submit to Moses and had to be baptized in Moses, be united with him, to become one whole with him. So we also are called to unite with saints that are a part of the fivefold ministry to acknowledge their spiritual authority. Moses had represented God, and the people had to be dissolved in him and to demonstrate absolute trust in him. But for the people to believe Moses, he had to represent the sign of the fact that he is freed from Egypt and has the power that surpasses Egypt. The first symbol of deliverance from Egypt is presented in the format of a rod, which became a sign that it was God that had sent Moses. This rod was the staff with which Moses had tended to the sheep. The staff of that time was multifunctional. This staff had helped Moses to reach heights, to draw sheep that had fallen into a ditch. Uh, it also had served as protection from wild animals. The shepherds of that time had were able to use the staff so well that with it they were able to kill lion and bear. They could, with one hit, kill a person that would come upon them. 
Therefore, the staff was a method of protection and something to rely on and a method for labor. The Lord said, Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. For Moses, the staff became the rod of God when he threw it and lost his soul. The rod is our soul that is lost in the death of the Lord Jesus and then gained and found in him. These are our pure lips that proclaim the faith of God. And only through pure and meek lips we are able to accept the planted word that is able to save our souls. All of you know that the tail of a serpent is his wheel. And God showed in this serpent the cursed fallen soul of a person, the soul of Moses. This rod serpent symbolized his old nature, which always remains unchanged. Christ, having accepted our nature, became a, became a serpent on the cross in order to redeem us. He took not just our sins, but he took our flesh because our sin and our I are inseparable. This is one and the same. Sometimes people say, Christ took my sins. It isn't so that the Lord would take our sins, but would leave the body. Sin and I am one whole. Just as a person, through obedience to God, unites with God in the same way through obedience to devil, he is united with devil. This is how Satan dissolved in men when he had sinned in the Garden of Eden. Sin was dissolved in Adam, making one whole with him. Now, just like that, you can't separate sin from men. That's why it was necessary to take a person with his sin and place him on the cross. It was this that Christ had done, being taken up on the cross. He took a person with himself that is desired to repent and was dissolved in him, making one whole with him. That is why when we see the serpent on the cross, we see not just Christ, but ourselves, our illumination. This is not just Christ crucified on the cross, but this is also me. Moses, having seen himself from the position of the Holy God, in horror had run away from his old man, from the serpent. And if Moses would not have endured the cross, he never would have been able to take the serpent by the tail, to take the wheel apparatus of his essence in his hands. But the Lord had told him to do this, and Moses had fulfilled this decree of the Lord. How was Moses able to do this? The tail of the serpent, which is the wheel of the old man, is his tongue, his lips, which people on their own cannot bridle on themselves. 
by themselves. There is only one that can bridle, that is capable of bridling our lips, the Holy Spirit. And this control he have, or he is able to take this control through the cross. And if we lose our soul, our lips will become the lips of God and he will use them. After Moses, according to the word of God, had taken the serpent by the tail and it again became a rod in his hand, God said that this rod will now be God's rod with which he will make wonders and signs and miracles. And now only the lips of Moses will conduct these signs and wonders. We have already talked about how to take the promises of God by faith. And pastor says, if you are ready by faith to accept that which the Lord says to you through the preached word of the person who represents God's lips, if you can consider yourselves dead to sin and not just to pretend that you are free from sin, then we are ready to part ways with our old nature. My flesh resists righteousness. It says, you'll be righteous when you destroy all the sins in you, when you will have no more manifestations of the old man in you. This is the argument of Satan. And he uses it. And for this he uses my flesh, my feelings. And pastor says, but I in this moment do not pay attention to the voice of the flesh. I listen only to the voice of God that tells me, take it by the tail. This is dangerous, but you believe the word of God and you do this. In scripture, it is said that we often take the testimony of men, but the testimony of God is greater. This is the direct word of God, and this is far greater than the testimony of man. If the word of God tells us to consider ourselves dead to sin, then do this. The apostles the first times had received the full foundation, the full foundation of faith, and now we need to, with the blessing of the Lord, to cultivate it. If the Holy Spirit told us to consider ourselves dead to sin, we must do this. This will be the first sign that saints have gone through the first stage of the cross, the acceptance of righteousness. If you, by faith, have accepted your righteousness, the cross already works in us. Sometimes saints ask, how can I know if the cross works in me or not? If you have accepted justification as a gift, it has already stepped into power. It already moves in you. And this will become known to people in Egypt, those that are found in slavery of their self-religion uh, and cannot be delivered from this captivity of religion. They will see that you are freed. In the fallen religious structures, faith is founded only on that which is visible and can be touched. 
Saints that are taken in the captivity of religion teach this. Until you hear a bell in your wallet, don't say that you have it. But God says, on the contrary, call the inexistent as existent. If the heavens tell us that God's treasury, which has become yours, is that which does not yet exist in your pocket or your wallet, you by faith are called to accept this. Say, I have in Christ Jesus my justification. I am justified. Justified means guiltless. Guiltiness is a complex. It is a kind of state when a person cannot come to God with boldness, without sin. And he who comes to him without boldness will never receive anything. Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. The flesh tells us, wait, but you are still the same person. But you find yourselves in Christ Jesus, not with your own righteousness, which is from works, but with righteousness that is from faith, and you begin to proclaim your righteousness. You look at the blood of the covenant, at the blood of Christ, and testify, the cross of the Lord has done its work. I trust in the cross and the blood. I am righteous in Christ Jesus. Satan, depart from me and my flesh. Quiet in the name of Jesus Christ. We do not close our mouth to other people until we step on our personal flesh. Usually those that don't govern over themselves like, like to close other people's mouths. Let the God forbid you. Let them first learn to close the mouth of their old Adam. For Proverbs 16.32 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. No one has the right to close the mouth of another person if he has not bridled his own lips. Moses did not try to bridle someone else's lips until he bridled his personal lips and until he had fulfilled that which the Lord told him. He took the serpent by the tail, took the wheel of his soul, bridled his lips, and that which was a serpent became in his hands the rod of God. And God said, You shall take this rod on your hand with which you shall do the signs. Exodus 4.17 Colossians 4.6 says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So, when our lips are going to be bridled, then we are going to be found in this covenant of salt. And we, as it is written, are seasoned with salt, and we will know how to answer to each one. Now, the body of Moses was bridled. It stopped belonging to him. 
and it began to be a belonging of God. That's why we have to now behave towards it differently, towards the temple of God. Colossians 6.20 says, or Corinthians 6.20 says, For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God and your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And here pastor says that sometimes people don't like the temple of God because they view it as their personal temple. They say, my nose is not right. I want to have wider eyes. I want longer feet. What right do you have to criticize God's temple if the Lord already lives in it? And he finds it pleasing there. The biggest critic of our temple is our old nature. We want to follow those standards of beauty that have been made up by people. God doesn't want us to criticize our temple. Because any critique is a curse upon our body. And this curse works. We will answer for our critics before God. When you don't like something in your body and you express your distaste, you curse this place, this part of your body which you don't like, you might ask, should I like my ailing body? You shouldn't like illness, we must despise it, but your body is a temple of God, and you must stand on the side of God's truth and take this serpent by the tail. And then you will also see the rod of God, a sign of your righteousness, that He is already in you. Don't curse yourselves. Studying and observing our life in Christianity, a pastor says, I have seen that people curse themselves far more than someone else. And sometimes it's on the contrary. A person likes himself. But this self-love always also occurs outside of the cross, for such a person does not acknowledge himself as a temple of the Lord. If you understand that your body is the temple of God, then just like to your own, you will also behave toward another temple. You won't compare both of these temples, drawing the conclusion that yours is better. Everyone wants to be perfect, smarter, and more beautiful. But in Christ Jesus, you all are perfect, just as Jesus himself. That's why, whoever we may be, however we may be, we all are one in Christ Jesus. View yourselves only in Jesus. And if you are able to do this, then the result will be that you will view others also like this. You will, not, you will stop paying attention to the outward appearance. 
they will not be as primary they will not be primary to you therefore the first sign given by god to moses is to consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to god in christ jesus our lord romans chapter 6 verse 11 Of course, your flesh is going to want to take revenge and will again try to reveal itself, but you can apply resistance to it. No, I won't proclaim that which you want. And if your old nature has revealed itself and expressed itself and has uh, asked something of you, don't, don't be sorrowful. Show it its place on the cross. Don't give up your righteousness that you received as a gift of grace so easily. Respond to it with a counter hit. The righteous might fall seven times, but will get up. And then turn to God and ask for forgiveness. If you have offended somebody, ask for forgiveness. Ask, return your words back and move on. The three signs given by God to Moses had expressed three levels of the will of God, three levels on each of which the cross had moved. Don't think that the cross is only at the level of the perfect will. It also acts in the good and acceptable will. If you accept justification at the level of the good will, then we see this part of the cross at work. You consider yourselves dead to sin. This is the goodwill. Don't think that this is a depth at a depth. This is only the beginning. If people have not yet known this, for all of their 50 years of belief, then they think that this is a depth. They came to church but they never heard that they can be righteous not according to their own works, but according to the works of Christ. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Hebrews 10.14 They ask, is this truly written in Scripture? Yes, it was. In Scripture, there do exist these words. We accept justification as a gift. We don't earn it, and that is why we can practice righteousness. Only a saint can be sanctified, and only the righteous can practice righteousness. It is impossible to become holy by sanctifying ourselves through a special kind of sanctification or dedication, or a person becomes holy by fact of his birth. You can hold a pig amid the sheep, but from this it will not become a sheep. To become a sheep, we must be born of a sheep. You are a child of God, and this means that you are holy, because God does not give birth to sinners and unjust. He gives life only to the righteous and holy. And therefore, Pastor says, And now may the Lord bless you, Practice righteousness and be sanctified. Furthermore, the sign of the cross on the hand. 
Now we are going to talk about the second sign. It was not presented as first, but according to its depth, it surpasses the previous sign. For every subsequent sign, we're called to strengthen the faith of people found in slavery. God told Moses to place his hand in his bosom, and Moses had listened to this. Having placed his hand, he saw he saw initially that his hand was leprous. The people of that time know what leprosy is. We know about it only about uh, stories in books and documentary films. It is very few who saw have seen leprous people truly in real life. Pastor says, I have seen only spiritual leprosy. Leprosy is a, is a frightening illness which mankind has not yet been rid of, and there is no medicine for it. A leprous begins to he endures difficult pain. Medicine can even make this suffering easier. The leprous were cast out of the midst of the people that they lived upon because those that would touch someone that was leprous would become leprous and not just that but the clothes of a leprous upon being touched would be spread therefore leprosy was always considered uh, sin it is an image of sin leprosy is an image of sin now pastor says you can understand in part what Moses had felt when he had taken his hand from his bosom, he had discovered it in a leprous state. The Lord again told Moses, put your hand back in your bosom. And when Moses had taken it back out, looked at it, it was healthy. Our hands are our works, which always have two signs, the visible and invisible. Visible is the result of our motives being guided by which we fulfill some kind of work. Invisible is the reason itself, which is the late motive of every work. After we have accepted justification, God wants to show us that our works and all spheres of action are are filled with once we have accepted justification God wants to show us that our works and all spheres of action are suffering from leprosy it is filled with the sin God shows to a person here are what your works are Taken the hand in the bosom, Apostle Paul had also said, For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. A wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul was in horror from this revelation. What did he have to do to be delivered from leprosy? To place his hand back. Curse is overcome by curse. Death overcomes death. 
because with the law we die to the law. When you acknowledge that you have nothing good in you, you, in doing this, you curse your old man. You then receive knowledge that the motives of your good works were incorrect. If you do good to people and don't receive some kind of thanksgiving from this, will you have enough strength to continue this good deed? And if you, having become bitter, if you stop doing good to people, are you doing this to hear the word thanks in response to your actions? Christ says, this is what the Gentiles do. But true Christians are called to practice good, not waiting for anything in return. With this sign, the Lord shows us our true nature and the price of our works. And when I agree with this, then I can repeat after Paul and say, nothing good lives in me. This proclamation is this leprous hand, a curse that is visible, which destroys the curse that is hidden behind the bosom. Therefore, the second sign is my leprous hand, which I place behind my bosom. And when I take my hand out, it is pure, it is as clean as the whole body is. You see that the second sign is tied to wonderful justification that transforms not just all of our works, but also our hidden motives. When I, according to the Word of God, say that there is nothing good that lives in me, in this moment, God changes everything and makes it pure. All of my works, God in this moment justifies through the blood of Jesus Christ. A leprous hand is the image of Christ crucified. If some kind of part of the old man is evident in me, pastor says, I don't even try to ask God for forgiveness. You know, he says, he says, you know what I do? If this character has been revealed, I say, praise you, Father, that you have opened my eyes so that I may see. I have prayed about this with a prayer of faith. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Psalms 119 verse 18. I can see what lives in me. But the majority of people don't see this. They lie. They hate one another. They sin and they consider themselves righteous. But they look at you as someone that is wicked. But when a question is asked them, are you righteous? They say, God knows. How could people cast blame that are found in religious structures that are not affirmed in their righteousness? If you are not yet righteous, you have one definition. You are wicked. In these kind of structures, people can't even logically think. When Christians come to confess, Satan tells them, you know, you alone are 
this evil. If you speak about your sins, pastor will change his mind about you. Because before he considered you holy and righteous. But you are going to, with your own hands, ruin what they think about you. But Satan is lying to you. All people are the same. They are all of one blood. And in Adam, we all have sinned. Having a burden of sin through the genetic inheritance received. That's why when you come to pastor, you take your hand from your bosom and you show your sin. This is confession. Because that which is found behind the bosom is a mystery. It is that which is hidden from all. And God tells you, take it out, confess your sins. Call it what it is. Until a person confesses his sin and does not call it by name, he will not receive deliverance and cleansing and will not receive a new name. This is the second side of the sign. In his time, Jacob had fought with God all night. And God, having seen that he was not overcoming, he touched he touched his hip and he said, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, meaning liar. Liar means sinner, leprous. And as soon as Jacob had confessed his sin, his name, God gave him a new name. And God said, now you will not be called Jacob, but Israel. Exodus 32:28. The name Israel means God fights or God's hero. If a holy person desires to receive a new name from God, he must confess his sin, not hiding and not beautifying it. It is written that the whole hand of Moses was in leprosy. Confession must be a confession and not something that is difficult. Say truthfully that you have sinned. Call things as they are, and you will be told, place your hand behind your bosom, and then take it out. Only then you will be able to, having taken your hand out, to see that it is cleansed from leprosy, cleansed from sin. And in this way you will find out your new name, and then you are free, justified, you are a hero of God. And when you yourself will see this, you will have faith in deliverance from the threat of your brother Esau, from the tyranny of Egyptian slavery, and you will agree to endure all difficulties on the path to deliverance from Egyptian slavery so that you may gain deliverance, liberty. The signs that God will demonstrate upon exodus from Egypt will be awful. The Egyptians are going to go, uh, go crazy and they will avenge you during these times. They will tell you that you are cursing them, and this will be true. When the work of the cross will begin, your old nature will cry out in turmoil and will try to hold you back in place. Many Christians have a difficult understanding about the cross. 
while my husband a woman says while my husband is home everything is fine as soon as he goes to church or speak to pastor he becomes completely different this is the bright example of that that a person has totally twisted what the cross is and how the work of the cross is conducted the second sign that is presented by God to Moses affirms in us that all the sins must be shown to the Lord and confessed before him this confession must happen in the presence of anointed one of God or in scripture it is said as my father has sent me I send you to whom you forgive your sins to them they will be forgiven on whom you if you retain the sins of any they are retained John 20 21 through 23 no anointed one can forgive your sin in the name of Jesus if you have not confessed it before him some people ask for their secret need uh, to be prayed about but if you can't uncover it then don't talk about your needs perhaps you have fallen in love with somebody and asked for prayer so that you can entice this person this is witchcraft and this kind of prayer will be imputed as sin for such an action is not allowable to the church of Jesus Christ hold your feelings bridled and don't allow them to rule over you open your heart to God and he will show you your true messenger and therefore the third sign of the cross is in the water the third sign according to its strength surpasses the two previous the Lord said to Moses that people will believe the third sign when the first two will not be enough and if they do not believe these two signs or listen to your voice that you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry land the water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land Exodus 4 9 this sign as the previous one is a sign of righteousness or a seal of righteousness which Moses had in his essence by faith before receiving this sign you know that the name Moses means brought out from the waters the word water has multiple meanings it as blood serves in scripture as an image of life and death blessing and curse and also is a symbol of the teaching wisdom that comes either from God or from the carnal essence of a person or from the dragon it is the image of the rational sphere of the essence of God his angels people devil and his angels and the prophetic song of David Jesus says of himself I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint my heart is like wax it has melted within me my strength is dried up like a post and my tongue clings to my jaws you have brought me to the dust of death Psalms 22 verses 14 through 15 being pouring out water on that land on the Golgotha cross Jesus was made blood the blood itself was never the source of curse 
But when blood is poured out on the earth or on the land, the land begins to curse the hand which had spilled the blood. Remember when Cade had poured out the blood, the blood of his brother, he was cursed from the earth. The earth was uh, defiled and began to curse Cain. And so Moses takes the water, the image of which he himself is, for he was brought out from this water. The Nile River, which Moses had to take this water from, was considered the holy river of Egypt. Egypt had lived thanks to the outpouring of Nile. When Nile had outpoured, it had nourished the whole Nile Valley. And Nile was one of the deities of Egypt. This river gave life to all the other Egyptian deities. The serpent, crocodile, frog, and so forth. The rational sphere of a soul outside of God is for a person a deity. The Lord had told Moses to take this life and pour it out on the land, and doing so, turning this life to death. How ought we to understand the meaning of this action? Here it talks about how the action of the cross, with the action of the cross, we are called to be turned. We know that righteousness that does not condemn unjustness is not righteousness. And so the third sign of righteousness gained on the cross gives us the legal power to condemn unrighteousness. Jesus says, He who without you is without sin, be the first to cast the stone. You know that practically Jesus had cast the stone because he had no sin. But he did not cast the stone on the on the woman, but on the sin and those that had brought her to him. He condemned sin in the flesh, and the stone itself was cast against him. He took this woman and himself together with her sin, and when the hit of the stone was brought by him and on him, the woman was contained in him. All of us, like this woman, and in relation, and some relation were found in him, and it was Jesus that had endured the first hit, given that he had taken our sin upon himself. That's why full deliverance from sin can occur only when we are crucified with Christ. When the water is made blood, the land will no longer give you strength. That is why this is the last sign of the cross that is greater out of them all. Pouring out water on the earth, we finally condemn our old beginning. When I condemn my old beginning, I take the water out of the Nile out of the rational essence of my old man, and I pour it out. The water turns to blood and defiles this land, and this land begins to curse me, or rather, Egypt, the old nature, begins to curse me, to resist my reborn spirit. This sign is the final and legal separation of the old man from the new man. It is after this sign that there begins the true resistance and enmity between the spirit and flesh.
And Pastor continues by saying, I know that many saints don't want their Egypt to curse them because when this happens, the life of holy saints becomes unbearable. That which symbolizes sin becomes greater in its activity. And then when the people come and ask Moses, what have you done with us? It was difficult, but after all of these signs, it's even greater difficulty for us to endure. Although, although the people lacked in strength, yet they didn't refuse to follow after Moses. Having seen the signs that the Lord began to do over Egypt, over the old man, at the head of which was Pharaoh, a symbol of the dragon, the ancient serpent. The rod, given by God in the hands of Moses, was an image of the cross. And through this rod, he had brought on various things upon the earth. And with this rod, he turned the water to blood, and the people saw all of this. Furthermore, Pastor says, I have, as I have said, Egyptians had worshipped different deities, the flies, crocodiles, serpents, and different flies. Today, in kids' movies, we see all of these deities often, and even adults don't understand that they are not seeing just innocent cartoons, but worship to Egyptian deities. All that is carnal is tied with idolatry, but to be led out of this, we must take upon ourselves the cross of Christ. Only then will we be able to receive these three signs. And only when we receive these three signs, each of which is going to be the result of the previous one. A leprous hand is the result of the first sign. Water poured out on the earth is a result that you have cursed your soul, and now it curses you. But the sign of the cross reaches its peak when you, through them, walk in the perfect will. Only then will you be able to practice the works of God to the end. You live by faith, which acts only in death, only in crisis, when everything is ruined. All said, our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. This is the sign of the cross. But I believe in the word of God. I now live according to it. I am filled with it. And finally, I receive long-awaited deliverance. And pastor says, and we will thank God for deliverance which He has given to us through the cross of Christ. And it doesn't matter who is found in what stage of the cross right now. If you have accepted justification as a gift, then the cross has already stepped into its legal rights and begin to move in you. Pastor says, I know that the words of faith the sermon about the cross, which you have heard and have accepted today, will move you further on the path to deliverance from Egyptian slavery or slavery into your soul.
As soon as you acknowledge yourselves unrighteous in all elements, and you call things as it is, and you confess your sins before God, you will see the wonders of God, which are going to lead you to deliverance from sin, which is the reason for death, illness, and poverty. Amen. Let us thank and pray to God for this word which we had, which is capable of delivering us from slavery to our soul. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this mercy and for this privilege to be found and to be in this blessed place, which your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name, where you have placed a remembrance of your name. We thank you, and we worship before this word, which has the power to deliver us and free us, and to lead our soul out of slavery through the cross of Christ, through these signs. And only through being taught and being instructed, and only through acceptance of this truth and this preached word, we have this opportunity, this anointing, to receive these promises. For you have said, For those that have accepted you, have accepted you in the face of your messengers, you have given them the power to be children of God, to be your children. You have given them this anointing to accept through your planted, preached word, these promises. Because only having this anointing can we receive promises. We thank you for all that you do and all that you reach in us. You will allow us to reach this goal in order to bring us out and to make us perfect in Christ Jesus. May your name be magnified and elevated in your, among your people, in your body, in your church. We thank you for your anointed one. And now more than ever, your church has prayed with boldness and diligently having 
lifted up her voice when Peter was found in the prison and you had according to their prayer you Lord show and teach us that your body your church your bride your dove could begin to diligently pray and to call out to you for your mercy so that you can demonstrate this mercy your healing power that we can hear and so that this word can be given to us through your anointed one who represents for us the fatherhood of God we thank you Lord for that word which we will be able to hear and which we will have in our previous in our next services on Friday Sunday may our hearts be ready to hear to listen attentively to accept this word into the good soil of our heart that in our hearts it may bring fruit and may your name be magnified and blessed our Father Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and we will proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory and unblemished joy to God our Savior who alone is wise through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen <laughs>